The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group a global marketing services company organized to help chief marketing officers in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. Two W2 Group companies are Digital Influence Group and RacePoint Group. They're leaders in social media marketing in both paid and unpaid media. Today's show, I'll be talking about building influence and online relationships with the Chris Brogan, president of New Marketing Labs and co-author of the exciting New York Times best-selling book, Trust Agents. Pick it up if you haven't already. Chris is an 11-year veteran of social media and both web and mobile technologies to build digital relationships for businesses, organizations, and individuals. Chris is currently employed as the president of New Marketing Labs and is a co-founder of the PodCamp New Media Conference Series which explores the use of new media community tools to extend and build value. Chris frequently speaks at and attends marketing and social media events and shares his passion for all things social media on his blog, chrisbrogan.com, which is listed in the top five of the Ad Age Power 150 and the top 100 on Technorati. You can find him on Twitter at twitter.com slash chrisbrogan, forward slash that is, Chris Brogan, and it's great to have you on Market Edge, Chris. Larry, such a pleasure. I'm honored to be in your presence. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Hey, before we get into some of the questions, why don't you at least tell if for our audience that hasn't read uh, Trust Agents, first, why you wrote the book, sort of what it's about, and really why they should pick it up, since uh, there seems to be a flood of social media books now out on the market. Well, Trust Agents is just a little bit different than some of those books insofar as, you know, at the time of this recording, I picked up the USA Today uh, based on the State of the Union address, and the, the cover of USA Today says, we face a deficit of trust. What we wrote about was how these web tools impact trust and how we think of things. Over 70% of people, uh, when surveyed about their online buying decisions, bought something based on something they read online, even though they didn't necessarily know the person who had given the review. So they were just blindly trusting. We found that kind of interesting. Furthermore, we found that there's ways that we can build relationships across the web that people who maybe don't come from the social space or the, the, the more modern web space aren't really keeping up with. So how do you use things like these uh, Facebook or Twitter accounts to actually build business relationships is something that isn't necessarily native, and yet the underlying stuff of them is kind of what excites us as humans. Like we, we love to build relationships before we buy, and so to us, these tools are a way to get back to that as, instead of moving forward into some new technology. Hey, have, have the platforms and tools really changed that much, in your opinion, Chris, or have our online behaviors and the way we use technology to communicate with one another changed as well? I think it's both. I, I, the tools have definitely changed, in, and 
some of those changes, like you know the uh, short 140 character requirement of Twitter, have changed how we use even the other tools that aren't Twitter, like Facebook or LinkedIn. All these tools now have these little serve these little tiny status messages. This all came out of the 90s, and what we were trying to do with presence management with instant messaging platforms back when we thought that's what the world would be interested in. And you know those things still exist, but they're they're in a slightly different way. And so I, I think it's a little bit of both. How we use these tools really has changed. I mean, as you know, uh, from watching what Gen Y and millennials do versus uh, people who are, you know, like in my age bracket in the late 30s and, and older, uh, they share everything kind of all as one blended mess. It's, it's personal and business all the time. You and I might sort of parse it differently depending on whom we're speaking with, and I think that's one big change that the tools have enabled further. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, one speaking of age groups, you know, my my audience knows I'm I'm the old one in this crowd. But uh, you know, I remember uh, when I was first starting to use Twitter, I, it reminded me a lot of when we introduced AOL back in the uh, early to mid '90s. That you know, it's just a much cooler version and a, and a cooler application than some of the things AOL was trying to do. You think that's part of what's happening too? It's just we're we're finally evolving these applications to be used in a more effective way? That's a good question. I mean, in my mindset, I'd, I'd say Facebook is a little closer to that AOL experience because it has those sort of walls and that once you're inside the Facebook walls, you can do all this XYZ stuff that isn't necessarily threaded back out into the outside walls. And, you know, for example, you can't search things inside of Facebook via Google very well, uh, although evidently Microsoft and Bing have uh, made it search relationship. So in a way it is. In a way it is a lot like AOL, which is which means sort of like a coddled, uh, assembled version of the internet versus the uh, versus kind of the wild wild west and wide openness. Hey, you know, I'm um, currently like in the middle of working on my next book, which is um, you know more about the impact that social media is going to have on a broader range of departments within a business than just. Uh, just marketing, you know, I've seen it in customer service. Some others are, are you seeing or witnessing, you know, this, uh, you know, an effort to understand the impact and the use of these tools and platforms, uh, you know, even broader than just the marketing department? Larry, you're spot on. And really, I think this is a, one of those great back to the future kind of moments because, I mean, if you look at the, the way departments are broken out and the fact that there's PR separated from marketing and that PR and marketing are separate from sales and all this kind of stuff, this happened in the 80s in, in these sort of attempts to, to put new boxes together on an org chart. And it's not really how we look at things. If, you, if we're a two-person business, the Larry and Chris Popcorn Company, you know, we're both selling, we're both marketing, we're both customer service and PR. And these tools do a great job of threading that kind of information back through the network should the company accept and build it that way. So I think you're spot on with your, your next coming book in that it's really going to work out as uh, tools that enable communication to flow throughout the entire organization and not just sit on the marketing person's desk. Hey, are you seeing, you know, I'm finally starting to see, and I'm not an expert in organizational structures, but I'm starting to see with some of our bigger clients, you know, they're not really reorganizing around social, but at least we're starting to see titles like, you know, director of content, uh, VP of community, uh, director of social media. Uh, what's your, your guys' experience in, in what you're seeing as far as organizations trying to change the way they actually you know, 
operate, organize, and and give titles out for responsibilities? It, it's a good question. I, I think Alan Scott, who's the CMO of the Dow Jones uh, Group and the Wall Street Journal, really doesn't di- di- distinguish between those types of things. He he keeps them all as sort of one, uh, you know, integrated thing without any specific break off for social media or whatnot. Lots of other companies are breaking out the new social titles. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of on the fence, to be honest, Larry. I, I think that the new social titles give somebody the sense that they've got the ball to run with these kinds of things, and yet I think that they should be wary and be ready to blend themselves back into the regular group because otherwise it feels like they're sort of a, an island, and I'd rather be bridged to the mainland if it was uh, if it was me. Yeah, you know, in a way, it's sort of a bit antithetical when you think about it, putting somebody in charge of social media. I mean, you you could argue it's a bit oxymoronic, but, uh, you know, but I guess corporations still have to have, you know, that sense of control, uh, you know, Somehow, tell tell me a little bit more about um, you know what you do every day you know in your business to help companies and you know are you training staffs on on brand messages as that relates to you know their voice and the voice of the company out into the into the into the social web. At New Marketing Labs, what we tend to do, if I put it in the smallest possible sentence, we like to show companies how to be human at a distance again. I'm really fortunate because for a really small shop like mine, which is, you know, nine or so full-time employees at this time and some contractors, we're working with mostly Fortune 100, so like Molson Coors and uh, SAS and, you know, big software companies and the like. And we find that more times than not, what we're showing them to do is how to use these tools for two-way relationship building for channel development, how do these tools drive sales, and yet also do a lot in the way of uh, building uh, relationships for, say, customer service purposes as well. So it's a blend of those sorts of things. How, do, how, do, how does content drive sales, and then how does uh, social communications improve customer support around sales and those sorts of things? Even though it's boring, Chris, are, are you helping these Fortune 100 companies uh, with some guidelines around this? Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, whether we like it or not, are afraid of this. You know, you know, you can cite the famous Domino's YouTube video of, you know, doing gross stuff to the food and, you know, the owners of Domino's, you know, being capital probably, you know, are, are, were going crazy at that time. And, you know, how about... You know, or, or should we not worry about that and, and really let the social web self-police itself? No, you know what? I think guidelines are important, and I, I, I think that we all want those. I mean, if, if you and I show up at a social gathering, one of the things we'll do is we'll look around the room and see if there's anybody we know. Another is just to double-check our dress and make sure that we're somewhat in attune with everybody else in the room. I mean, we as humans just want to know that there's some level of comfort before we step out into kind of a foreign spot. When I'm in another country, I'm always looking around to get cues on, you know, am I, am I being like the people around me? And so I, I really think that the opportunity is there uh, to to create some simple guidelines. I guess what's important is to have that perfect blend of establishing uh, relationship and um and flexibility because you don't want to really scare people off from using the tools, but you definitely would like to... Um, maybe warn people. I think, by the way, for the PR and marketing agencies of the world, there's a really great educational opportunity here to do media training far deeper than the senior team because in a world where everybody has a uh, camera phone, I think the opportunities are, are bigger to run into media problems from angles that people didn't expect. And I think that that's uh, something that uh, people's agencies of record could really help with and obviously a revenue source for agencies. 
I absolutely think that's a great idea. You know, it's funny. Over the holidays, I was uh, I have three kids, two older girls, and my youngest, Jeffrey, who's thirteen. You know, the the girls still take take uh, still pictures uh, for Facebook. I don't think Jeffrey's ever taken a still picture. He just takes his flip video everywhere and uh, videoing stuff, sharing with people, laughing at himself, you know, et cetera. So this whole visualization. You know, of of the web is going to have, I think, even a huger impact that we than we've seen already. What do you think? I agree. I, I think that the, the the plus and minus of things about video is that, um, and, and images and all that are that uh, they they just bring a, a sort of stronger realism than any kind of text will ever provide. They give us something very visceral. Sometimes, I mean, there's there's just been some amazing photos coming out of Haiti, for example, at the time of this recording, that you know sway our opinion back and forth like a seesaw on what our support efforts are going towards. And I, I just think there's there's a lot of uh, crazy opportunity for how these new media tools will uh, shape that. Yeah, I, I, I agree totally. Hey, uh, we're going to take a, uh, a short break right now for a commercial, but please stand by, and we'll be right back uh, with Chris Brogan and Market Edge for more of this conversation. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to prwebauthor.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online news release and content distribution service. Charles, come on up and tell us about the great ROI we're getting from RevenueWire. Thank you. Since I signed up with Revenue Wire, conversions have increased dramatically. Revenue Wire has an integrated shopping cart called SafeCart that offers highly accurate sales tracking, boosting our conversions through the roof. And now that they've added multiple international currencies to SafeCart, we're looking forward to seeing significant increases in our overseas sales of PC utility software from LavaSoft, PC Tools, Pareto Logic, and Avonquest. With up to 75% commission, real time sales tracking, free in depth sales analytics, and reporting tools, campaign optimization resources, and now weekly payments for top-performing affiliates, our sales are climbing higher and higher, thanks to RevenueWire. Find out more at RevenueWire.com. This WebmasterRadio.fm program is presented by Affiliate Convention. Affiliate Convention invites you to join us in Denver, June 21st and 22nd. Affiliate Convention, where affiliates are always free. Learn more at AffiliateConvention.com. 
From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Chris Brogan, president of New Marketing Labs and co-author of Trust Agents, talking about building influence, online relationships, and just lots of other stuff. Hey, uh, sort of a tangent here, Chris. You know, I was out at Facebook in Palo Alto a few weeks ago, and, you know, I, I, I struggled when I came away from there. They were, I was trying to give them some advice and some things. And I'd love your opinion of this. They keep trying to force an old advertising model, it's my impression, on what is a new communications platform. And and I don't have the complete answer, by the way, but I'm wondering what's your opinion about the way they're starting to deal with, you know, um, monetization of, of, of the platform and open opinion. That's a great question. I mean, everybody has to try to realize some kind of money somewhere, I guess, and then and, and these kind of open social networks, while somewhat altruistically there to you know, be the phone line and that sort of build that they will come mindset that came out of the uh, earlier web, I, I think that's one side of the, the, the coin. On the other side of the coin, the people kind of riding those rails, trying to figure out how it's going to work, um, applying their, their old advertising model isn't going to work directly. It's just, it's just not uh, in parity with what else is going on out there. But these social tools do this incredible job of acting like sort of hamburger helper and like spreading out a meal a little bit. Uh, and, and it's incredible what you can do should you mix social tools with your, with your existing kind of traditional advertising mindset. You know, where, where the money all shakes out is, a, is an interesting set of questions. I mean, places like Twitter and Facebook, I mean, they're still kind of, uh, struggling with it. I mean, I just saw this report about YouTube that it's it just finally earned something like 200 million last year, which is the good news. The bad news is it cost 700 million to earn the 200 million last year. So of course it's going nowhere right now. Um, yeah. So you know, you're right. It, it is kind of an open-ended thing because I just don't see that. I just don't see that we're any closer to uh, solving the social networks problems. And I don't think that the big app shops have yet figured out how to uh, get a lot of derived value for their clients right away, although we're all experimenting furiously to make that better. Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and I'm wondering if there might be some magic in a sort of a next-generation loyalty programming around these, uh, these social platforms so that just leave them pure from, a, from a, a conversation point of view and maybe people build up points a la American Express that they can use somewhere else for, you know, commercial uh, application. Thoughts? I, I agree. Loyalty happens to kind of be hot again, uh, the same way I think that another aspect of marketing, uh, social causes, is really hot. Loyalty, especially with these location-type tools like Foursquare, has people really looking at it again. They're really just sort of looking all over it going, now what do we do? You know, how's this all going to work out? Because the opportunities there uh, can be really huge. We now have real trackable data about how often someone visits the locality and what they maybe are spending in kind of real time. These social tools let us get very much one-to-one personable, like we see with things like Comcast and some of the other overly touted examples in our space. Um, I think that there's just so many neat opportunities to, you know, make the, what I guess I call the annotated world where, you know, the, there's data fly, flying around that's based on a location that ties to the web and back again versus the old days where the web was one thing and the world was another thing. 
Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't agree more with that. You know, in your book, uh, which I love, by the way, Trust Agents discusses how people and organizations can use the web to build trust relationships and as a result possibly impact sales. Uh, I know our audience would be very interested in you maybe expanding a little bit about your thoughts on how to make uh, marketers far more human uh, in the di- their digital environment so they really do impact sales. I think this is sort of a snake-eating-its-tail kind of a situation that's gone on with the social networking tools. Never before have we as consumers had such an opportunity to be able to express ourselves clearly and uh, sometimes quite often negatively in expressing how we feel about the way we're treated by organizations as consumers. You know, we there's sort of a joke that my co-author, Julian Smith, says a lot, which is, oh, you're a blogger, so what do you complain about? And it's semi-accurate because there's all these times where companies will do us wrong. And in the old days, our only retribution was to call a customer service number and hope. Now uh, we can sprawl it all over the web and some people care, some people take note and they do something. And other times it goes nowhere. So on the one side, we have consumers really railing and and it can can aggregate really fast. If somebody's having problems, I mean, this is a 2005 example of Dell Hell with Jeff Jarvis writ large is, you know, he blogs, he's got a problem with his Latitude laptop and a whole bunch of other people do and suddenly it's front page news on Google. But I think now the opportunities have turned around where should marketers and should companies uh, be willing and able to put a human face on their business they're deriving business value from it. So, for an example, uh, the Roger Smith Hotel in Manhattan is an example I cite, which is I had asked on Twitter where the cool kids were hanging out in Manhattan, and somebody uh, named Chris Keefe said the Roger Smith Hotel, and then Brett Peterson from Mashable said the same thing. Uh, Peter Self, sorry. And then the third person the comment was the Roger Smith Hotel, and they said, you know, swing by, we've got a blogger special. I had since learned that if you ask a hotel about specials, if you love ice water, then I'm sure they have an ice water special. But the truth is, Larry, they, they treat me like a human, and they treat all the bloggers and social media types like humans, and so suddenly they're really filling their register with directly tracked to social media money, and it's all just because they were human, whereas the other places down the street don't treat us like that, and they're not getting the business. I think the um, it's a great example. I do think the whole first generation of this, um, you know, it, it was out of frustration, so that's why you, it sort of was weighted into the negative comments. But I think with time now and more people, you know, you're seeing far more positive discussions going on, uh, more critical discussions, more thoughtful discussions, not just all negative, negative, negative. So I think I think, you know, I'm hoping that that will continue and that we'll see more of a balance so that it's just like life, that it's a balanced conversation. I think you're right. I mean, this is absolutely the early days. And, I mean, if you think about just personal relationships, you think about those moments where uh, you're having an argument with a loved one or something like that, and you get to that point where you're just screaming, you're not listening to me, and then the dam breaks, and, you know, either they listen or it all goes to hell. Uh, in my mind, uh, you're right. This is this is the side of the equation where we're we're just kind of shouting and getting our chops. Later on, it'll be very back and forth and all positive. Hey, you know, I often tell my clients that we're now living in a world that you basically have to have sort of two strategies, one for real life and one for digital life, and they have to complement and work with one another. I know you sort of explore this a little in your book, uh, but how do you believe that we can advance offline or real-life relationships with social media? 
It's a really wonderful question and, and really talks a lot to the, some of the beautiful strengths of the tools uh, for personal media use. Uh, one is that uh, you, you, on the way to meeting up with somebody nowadays, on the way to visiting at somebody's office or, or swinging by a social gathering or uh, even knowing when their birthdays are coming, there's this great opportunity where you can sort of check over their shoulder a little bit on the social web and see what's going on in their life. So you might hear or learn that their you know, child has been sick, or you might learn that their cat's not feeling well, and et cetera. I mean, whatever whatever's of interest to them. And the next thing you know, you can bring that information into that experience and thus be a little bit more informed on kind of what, what posture to take upon saying hi to them. The other thing is you can connect people who aren't there all the time. I mean, as a, as a dad with young kids who travels all the time, I love using things like Skype video to communicate, you know, where I am in what hotel room and show them what the view is from daddy's window, which, you know, makes it a little more palatable that I'm away. And I think there's just lots of opportunities like that. The other is that, you know, conferences, David Alston, who is a CMO for Radiant 6, the listening tool, we, years ago now, maybe two years ago, we had this whole conversation about, wow, there's like two conferences going on at this one conference we're at. There's the people who are on Twitter who have all the liner notes, and then there's the people sitting there with a notepad writing notes for their boss. It's like two different tribes of people in the same room without even knowing it. And uh, I, I think that so the opportunity in the personal space is that you can somewhat annotate your physical world and uh, get some different values out of that experience as well. Hey, sorry, i got to just tell you one thing. One of my daughters told me I used the word online the other uh, the other week, and she laughed at me. I said, why are you laughing at me? She, she said, Dad, we never say the word online. I say, well, what are you saying? They said, we don't have a word. We just are. <laughs> wow. That, that's pretty powerful. It is. Hey, you know, I always ask my guest, um, you know, for one hint on some tool or something that, uh, that they might not know, uh, our, our audience might not know about. And one of the interviews I saw of you on your book, you happened to mention a, a thing called Batch Book that manages your personal contacts. And, you know, with the dozens of social networks available today, and et cetera, et cetera, could you tell us a little bit about Batch Book and if you like it, if you don't like it, or, you know, is it a tool that we could all use? Sure. Batchbook is a, uh, a software application that's built, built for uh, contact and, contact and um, CRM type uses, and it's, uh, it's a little company called Batch Blue down in Rhode Island, so uh, in the New England area company. And uh, what I liked about it as a tool is it's, it's content and contact management, I should say, that allows you to slice up your database in uh, really interesting ways by adding just very simple tags. So to not go too deep, if I, if I put in the Larry Weber contact and I say, um, you know, your, your contact information, well, I can also tag you as, you know, media guy, as brilliant Boston uh, brain trust kind of guy. I can put in, you know, uh, agency guy. I can put in all these different tags. And then when I want to go through my database and say, well, who do I know in Boston that... I can just click on the button and spit out lists like that. And then I can actually, you know, it's for really, really simple segmentation. Now, the tools we used to have to use to do this kind of a thing were a lot of work. And, you know, you required a little database administrator or something like that. The tools that are inside of Batchbook, it's just a couple of clicks, and it's just as easy as tagging a blog post. And next thing you know, you've really, you've really kind of put your contact data in something really useful. 
That's just one feature. The other stuff you can do with it is you can add notes to it, you can add phone call logs and all that. I don't do a lot of that. I use it a lot for sort of keeping really tight, interesting email lists so that I can hit small, small lists with really pertinent information as opposed to annoying big lists with untargeted information. Cool. I'm going to try it. Uh, and it's called Batch Book. Okay. Hey, uh, we're starting to run a little out of time, so I'm going to ask you a quick three future questions. First, is Google ever going to get social search, and should I even be thinking about social search? I started to find it as, hey, I want to know if anybody else stayed at this hotel and liked it. I want an answer now. You know, more like maybe TripAdvisor started to, you know, uh, it was a pioneer in. Are we are we going to see any kind of social search, especially out of the the giant that is Google? One of two ways that I think they'll do it. They'll do what they usually do, and they'll just sort of uh, roll over the top of it and and suck the data in. So they'll take something like Yelp or Yelp plus check-in data and just kind of aggregate the information in such a way that it strips Yelp of its value, like they've done with some other things. Um, the other way they'll do it is they'll, they'll maybe just acquire something like a Foursquare so that they'll have both social search plus location because they're just still – Though they have the Maps platform, and though the Maps platform is really strong, they're still kind of weakened in sort of location apps of their own. Yeah. They just sort of built a platform for usability. So I think, yes, um, but I mean, at the same time, it's amazing to watch how Twitter kind of owns that game still, just on a really rough-shod human way. They do. And speaking of Twitter, that's my second future question. You know, is it just an anomaly that, according to HubSpot, a uh, report that just came out that uh, they've dropped three months in a row, um, and so they're not growing? you think it's just because everybody's on it finally? <laughs> no, that's a really good question. And, in fact, I interpreted the data slightly differently as I look at it as shaking out the people who are the fad. I think the fad people will go away. The question is, uh, a good chunk of those happen to also be celebrities, but not the media companies. If you notice, the CNN, you know, for example, side of the equation, like the Rick Sanchez, he's doing more and more stuff with it. Like, if you look at the Rick Sanchez news hour, it's it's pretty much like a homage to Twitter the whole time that just accidentally has news in it. Um, on the other side of the equation... A lot of the celebrities, like the John Mayers of the world, said, hey, wait, I thought the sharing thing was fun, but now I'm getting picked on all the time. I think I'm taking my ball and going home. So I think we'll see even more shakeout. The number will probably go down a fourth or so month, but then the real people that are using it kind of deeply for, for real value, either business or personal, will keep a steady growth uh, now that the inflated growth has gone away. That's a great percept, uh, a great way to interpret that and uh, appreciate that, Chris. Hey, last question. Uh, you know, with a bestseller under your belt and the experience of the traditional book, uh, what are your plans in the coming year to start working on some new intellectual property coming from the brain of Chris? It's interesting timing because I'm actually sitting in a recording studio in Arlington, Mass., called The Bean Music, where I'm recording the audio for my forthcoming book in February called Social Media 101, which is a book that I put together with Wiley pretty much just because people thought uh, Trust Agents was going to be just about social media, and it wasn't. So Social Media 101 is the book that everyone thought they were getting, so I put it out. So February or so, uh, by the time this is recorded, it'll be practically a week or so away. Um, Social Media 101 comes out. And then a little over a year from now, probably the way the process seems to work, uh, Julian Smith and I are actually already working on a book about what we learned about how humans do business 
a through writing trust agent. So that'll probably be the next real big thing we work on. Well, we can't wait, and good luck with all of that, uh, Chris Brogan, president of New Marketing Labs, co-author of the fabulous book, Trust Agents. Everybody pick it up. Thanks for being a leader in this uh, next generation, and thanks for joining us today on Market Edge. Thank you, Larry. And everybody, please listen to the next Market Edge, Tuesdays, noon Eastern Time or 9 Pacific. Come back and listen to us again. This is Larry Weber. Bye-bye.